So here's the thing, though. You, when when did you become aware of me? Because I remember when I became aware of you at college. I think it was a UAB meeting, and I think Joe Benish <laughs> or someone came up, and everyone was like, you remind us of a kid, Andy Stein. You were just like yeah. him. And they're like, he's, stu- you know, he's away right now. I think you're, you're down at Disney, right? Probably, yeah. And they were like, you, you have to meet this guy. Like, you are like a splitting image of him. And I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> and everyone talked about Andy Stein, how I was just like him when I met them. And Lydia Yeager, right. everyone else. And then oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's how it came about. <laughs> that is so funny, though. I remember like coming back from Disney. And like, well, I think my absence at Millersville allowed you to soar <laughs> because I agree. then I, I got there, I got back and I was like thinking I was this big shot. Like <laughs> I was at Disney. I did all this other stuff. And they're like, dude, you're old news. There's this Zach love kid. And he's like, he's killing it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> oh man. That's awesome though. I'm so happy that you have that picture of me. That's great. <laughs> I hope it hangs above your bed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyways, well, first of all, I guess I I should introduce you. You're Zach Love, um, Mr. Love, which probably the single greatest last name on the face of this planet. Um, And you and I know each other from college. We we went to college together. uh, And I think a lot of people kind of mix us up. Um, we are, look very similar. We have very similar personalities, and um, we are referred as to as twins in a lot of a lot of times. I get confused. A lot of people will see me and they'll be like, "Hey, Zach," and I'll be like, "Nice try." That's <laughs> <laughs> not, not not it. Um, but thanks so much for for uh, for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. I'm glad you asked me. I'm glad to be here and talk some educational philosophy and pick our brains a yeah. little bit. <laughs> Let's let's let I'd like to jump right in if we can, um, because first of all, I want to know maybe a little bit about how you got to the teacher role. Like, how did that come about for you? So a little background I'll give you is um, family history is my dad was a tech ed teacher for 34 years. And then my brother um, went for tech ed and now he works at Penn State Harrisburg and he actually helps. um they're just starting this year, K through um, eighth grade program for STEM education. So he went down, um, worked at another university, helped per, um, teacher, what I say, teacher preparation for tech ed. And it just was kind of, I would say, in the family or in my blood and uh, grew up around it. And I just really enjoyed uh, when dad would come home, I get to do the multiple choice questions when I was younger. And that was about it. <laughs> Right, I was gonna say like what when you were little growing up, what what kind of um, roles did you have when since your dad was a teacher? Like I, you know, my growing up, like there was nobody else a teach that was a teacher in my family. I was, you know, so I didn't have that experience. What was that like growing up with your dad as a teacher? There are some pros and cons. A lot of pros, though. A lot more pros. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say the nice part was um, he did the graphics and he had the wood shop um, at his school district in Anvil, Cleveland, in Lebanon County. And it was nice where I got to actually go in and, you know, no one really has, at least back in the 90s when I was going through elementary school, no one had a tech ed program back then. Like STEM wasn't a thing. Um, like we only heard of that probably, what, in the past eight, maybe 10 years? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> right. Yeah. Nobody cared about STEM back yeah. in the day. <laughs> So I got um, almost like an opportunity when I was younger to go in, help him do like screen printing, like he'd uh, print shirts for like basketball camps or if there was like a fundraiser at school or Thon um, was starting up back then. And then I got to do like some iMovie stuff. And then he needs um, anything if it was needed help in the wood shop of maybe cutting a large piece of wood. Uh, My brother and I would go in, help him, and then he'd be like, okay, let's glue this together. We'll joint this board here. Uh, just some small projects and just that hands-on and that early exposure, I would say, brought me into the field and got me almost engulfed, I would say, and wanted to go into something that was hands-on 
teaching right. around that realm. Right. I got you. Um, then how did you – so then you, you go to Millersville, um, you know, the single greatest school in, uh, in the world <laughs> in my opinion. Um, <laughs> so you go to Millersville. You, 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 had your, you had your mission to be a tech ed teacher from early on obviously from, from you know, as a kid. Um, so, so then maybe walk me through kind of your Millersville experience and, and the things that um, you went through there. As far as your training, the education that you got at Millersville, you also got your master's in Millersville, Correct. right? Yep. Am I right about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of walk me through that whole process too. Like what was that like for you? Well, came on campus. Um, there's this other guy named Andy Stein who is overshadowing me, but I got used to that. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it was neat that we were both ed majors though. I think that was a good connection yeah. for us. Um, yeah, for sure. But so... Came on Millersville's campus, um, 2008-9 school year, and took my gen eds, um, and I would say that having those, uh, I'm trying to think of those classes where I had graphics first with Tom Bell and some other classes in the tech ed realm, and I had my general education classes, and I would say having some of those like gen ed classes and, you know, you learn about Bloom's taxonomy and different things and the different needs you need. Um, that really kind of, you know, like the philosophy behind it, like education philosophy classes we had to take, like 100. And then there's like sure. different preparation classes. I would say those are the ones where it got me thinking beyond like the teaching aspect. Like it was more about the holistic child themselves and like the philosophy, the um the psych classes I had to take with uh, Dr. Gardner and that about, okay, how do we look at the whole child and like their different needs? And, you know, it's all about this first and then teaching education comes second standards. That's all second. Like you have to, you know, right. meet the child there. And I think that's what really, you know, it was like, I want to, you know, I want to do this. Like, I really thought, you know, we're not just preparing a child for, you know, for the future and just education realm, but also helping along parenting them slash guiding them yeah. and mentoring them become an adult so yeah definitely definitely I, I completely agree with you so I'm guessing that you probably didn't get a whole lot of that kind of philosophy thing from your dad no. as far as like at home as a kid he wasn't probably like let me tell you about blooms <laughs> like <laughs> not at all no you're right that probably came I'd say that that deeper thinking part came at Millersville and I think that's really where I was like wow it's more than just you know I think some people think you just it's they come in your main job as a teacher is, okay, you help here and there a little bit if there's some issues at home, um, you know, IEPs, um, 504s, um, you assist in that realm. But it's more than that, and it's more looking at that, like I keep saying, the holistic child, and I think it's right. that's the big picture in education. Yeah, I, I couldn't <laughs> agree more. Um, so then so then you graduate Millersville, like you get your master's, whatever, and then, then you start the teaching job, right? Like then you yep. – you apply and, and you get it. So talk to me about like what your current role is. So, yep, I work at Mechanicsburg Area School District right outside Harrisburg. And going through a little bit of transition, which transition is good for education. So when I first came in, I just taught eighth grade tech ed. And that was primarily a traditional, quote unquote, wood shop, industrial arts, um, which my field, we're kind of in a paradigm shift, I would say, um, between going from industrial arts slash tech ed to that STEM and engineering aspect. Um, so, and we can hit on that later too, but I think that's a part of my field that some of us are, some people are struggling with. And then like some of the new teachers coming out, like that's the new preparation program. If you go to Millersville, Cal U, different programs, Virginia Tech, like that's what they're focusing on is the STEM. Um, right, right. So, yeah, went to Mechanicsburg, um, walked into a traditional position. Um, pretty much they told me that an interview process is pretty much, how is this transforming to a, you know, a STEM position? How do you see STEM evolving, et cetera, et cetera? How do you see engineering playing a role in education? Right. So you, you from the interview, from the <laughs> get-go, you knew where this was headed. You were like, this is, I'm going down this, the STEM route whether I like it or not. Yes. And then I... <laughs> and the nice part was it was I'll never forget I was with um, our superintendent Dr. Lighty who's a great guy very open minded and very supportive can't say enough about him and Julie Huff our assistant superintendent where when I interviewed with them it was pretty much he was like you know tell me about yourself etc talk about STEM a little bit what does that mean in education and like you know really digging into my educational philosophy and teaching philosophy and I'll never forget when he said do you have any questions 
I asked him, I was like, you know, it could be a tough budget year. Like, why? What's so important about this position? Like, why? Why keep this position? And because I was really interested to see. That's a great (laughs) question. And and can I commend you for just having the courage to be like, hey, I know that this is like an, you know, an an arts, right? Like, it's it's not a it's not English and it's not math. So so courage just to go out there and throw that out there at the superintendent that's awesome because you know what was his response um his response was like he was kind of shocked he's like wow he's like um i'm surprised you're asking that position like why would we almost like cut a position while i'm interviewing for it (laughs) Um, (laughs) that's a great question but you know you want to make sure that the school district and the school board and everyone they're they're committed to like keeping that stem position because you know when you hear about non-tested subject areas like which you know the first ones to go are like you know, FCS, tech ed, art, music, like those fine and applied arts area. So his his answer was pretty much like, I see um, STEM education um, actually, you know, helping kids with innovation, their creativity, um, you know, helping them grow and creating that. Um, I go back to that holistic child again. I think that I get, I get that from my district too, where he said like, this builds the whole child and they need as many exposures to different experiences to fully mature and understand what we have to offer, like as they grow up, um, going through our district, but also through college or if they don't go to college in the world. So, yeah, awesome. And that's so, I, I feel like that's so great. I would feel very comfortable with that answer. Um, and I'm sure that that made you feel, feel pretty good hearing him say that. <laughs> you were probably like, all right, well, and so where do I sign? <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so then you, you start teaching the eighth grade, tech ed, kind of wood shop, if you will, old school. Um, love it, hate it, like it. Where are you at with that? Um, I would say first year, which any first year teacher, and you would know too, like, it's a tough first year. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's one of the most ridiculous things in the world, I think. I don't know. It's just it, no, no one until you go through it. Nobody knows what that first year of teaching is yeah. like. You're like, I mean, there's, I mean, you have your student teaching, right? Like we all had our semester of student teaching in college, but after that, it's like you don't have your, you know, your other um, oh, co-op who we have student teaching to go to and be like, hey, what's going on here? I got a question about this, or if he's in the room to ask him a question. Right. You're just on your own, so. Hey, we're gonna try this. You know, let's just wing it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. right? There's no safety net yeah. on that first year. Um, but going back to what you asked about, so it was. I will say, starting with a. Um, so there's. I'll back up here. So there's three teachers in um, our middle school. There's a mm-hmm. sixth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade tech ed teacher. So okay, and that's how we traditionally had it. So I just focused. How many students? I'm sorry to interrupt. How many students are in your school? Just out like. Kind of give some demographics there. We are, well, I can give you this much. Our graduating class at Mechanicsburg last year is, let's say, around 265. Okay, that's not as, like, so my district's a little smaller than that um, as far as a graduating class, but not much smaller. And you're saying you have three tech ed teachers, so you've got a lot of staff, which is awesome. I mean, that's like a great Yes, thing. now our incoming kindergarten class at Mechanicsburg this year yeah. is four... 460, 480. No. Way. So we are going through. Talk about a bubble. Yes, we are going through a, and we just added a whole nother um, sixth grade team. For now, we used to have you know two teams in sixth grade for you know your math, sure. ELA, and all that. We just had to add a third team this year because we're just busting at the seams. Like the population okay. growth is, I think each class grade is growing anywhere between sixty to one hundred fifty more each year. Wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you've got a huge – so that's that in and of itself is going to be a huge struggle for you just as a teacher, you know, fielding more and more students. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure like class sizes are, are ramping up a little <laughs> bit and, and that kind of stuff. I'm sure that's going to happen. Oh, man. Yeah, we had um, – so we have a new master schedule that went in play. Um, so what we did was we looked at – a year ago we looked at um, – I want to say between eight to 12 different schools um, in Pennsylvania. And then our superintendent, assistant superintendent, principal went to outside the state and they looked at other school districts that were well known, like, you know, good names, like nationally recognized. So we looked at anywhere between Pittsburgh, et cetera, for what does a, 
uh, what do I say, fine and applied arts slash STEM, um, very grassroots um, school district look like. And that's what they said. Let's yeah. take a year. Let's take these whole bunch of teachers. And it was nice. They took care of us, um, took us on these trips. And we looked at all these districts um, around the state, just looking at what does that look like? How can we prepare for the incoming students, like all these big numbers? And I mean, like staffing is a big issue. It's like you said, like we have those three tech ed oh, teachers. Yeah. And they've been very... They've been very supportive of hiring another FCS teacher this year um, to help with that, making our art teacher last year full-time, like, you know, just adding staff here and there to make sure we can try to keep that small class size. Um, and then we had to do some shuffling with the schedule a little bit. Um, and we can talk about that if sure. you want. But <laughs> wow. wow. Okay. So, okay. I'm sorry. I got, I got <laughs> sidetracked there because I just was amazed by you saying you started like you have a graduating class of 265 and your incoming class is like 480 like it's that's, huge. A, that's a huge jump it's like almost double um all right so so you you did say that though that you're going through some transitions now you're going into you you were doing just eighth grade but now you're going to be transitioning and teaching a couple more things i guess based on this new schedule based on um you know some of the new ideas that you've got coming on coming out so I'll teach six, seven, and eight this year. And okay. what we'll do is we have the way it's set up is sixth grade is kind of like a exposure to like since their first time hearing about tech ed. Like we don't have it in our elementary schools. Um, which do you guys have it at um, your district, Dan? We don't have it at elementary. We have it in the middle okay. school, though. Their first exposure would be fifth grade. Okay. Because my middle school is a fifth through eighth grade middle school. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, so sixth grade is kind of like that exposure part where we give them a little bit of graphics, maybe a little bit of this, um, you know, just so they, and what is tech ed? Like, so they understand what it is. And then, because right. everyone says it's computers, I'm like, that's eh, more than computers, it's your graphics arts, it's your wood, <laughs> your metals, et cetera, et cetera. Right, um, right. Seventh grade is a, it's going to be interesting. So we have collaborative plan in our schedules, which is nice for all the teachers, so the goal of a collaborative plan that we have built in our schedule two times, two to three times a cycle day in a six-day cycle um, is for us to meet with other teachers and say, hey, I'm going to work with the computer teacher, and here's a perfect example. I'm going to work with uh, Mrs. Myers or Joanna Burroughs or Kenny Glass, and I'm going to, we're going to do a robotics in my class, and we're going to build the robots with the 3D printers and the wood shop and metal, and then they're going to program it using, um, ske- uh, not SketchUp, um, Oh, I can't think what the program's called. Um, a scratch, scratch. Okay. So they'll use Scratch to actually program it from the computer and business aspect, and then they build it in my class. And then we come, you know, it's a collaborative STEM effort where I work with their class, and we have back-to-back class periods. So the way our schedule works is we'll have sixth grade, let's just say sixth grade the first two periods of the day, seventh grade the next two periods, and then the next two period eighth grade. So if we have similar, like same kids in the same class, what I can do is go up to Melissa Myers, um, the computer teacher, and say, hey, let's do a double period for, these, for this week where they're going to build the robots. If they need to do programming, they go up to your room. If they need to build it, they come down to me. And we'll just use instead of 45, just one 45 period, we'll make it a 90 period, and we'll just work that way so they have more time. Right. So And then, and then they can, the students can float between your classrooms yep. as needed. Yep. So that's that's pretty cool. That's that that scheduling and see g- going back that really starts all the way at the top with the that scheduling piece and and your administration saying we are committed to uh, you know figuring out a way to make this all work and then that trickles down to you and the t- and and your you know your colleagues saying all right we now have this you know time that we could do this let's make it happen. Yep. That's incredible. Yeah, I will say it took a lot of, and you're right, it takes a lot of trust from our superintendent all the way down to like that leadership where they were like, you know what, take that risk. Like that's another thing they always say in our district, like take that risk and, you know, let's say it doesn't work out. Hey, you know what, we learned from it. Um, maybe get a ding on your evaluation. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, I mean, it's nice that they say like, hey, you know what, you tried it. It's all right. Like, what'd you learn from it? Like, what was the, like? Let's sit down and talk about what can we do next time. Like, how would you improve it? And you know, it's right. all about that. What did what right. did they at least take away from that experience? So, yeah, <laughs> that's that's really cool though. I, I that's really awesome. I like that idea that the students can just kind of, as needed, go where they 
they need to. Uh, now, this you're saying this will be the first year coming up that you'll do this, correct? Correct, and that is sixth, seventh, and then eighth grade is where they get to um, deselect. We use the word deselect. So they will actually pick three subjects that they want to take that they feel like they really want. So let's say a kid really likes art, but they didn't like tech ed, uh, which that rarely happens, rarely. Um, <laughs> the kid, the student would put on their um, almost like a course selection, but we don't want to call it that. They would, and that's why we call it a deselection. They would say out of music, art, tech ed, um, computers, uh, what am I missing here? FCS, um, in those areas, they say, I really wanted to deselect this one subject. Um, so here's, here's my top three. Like these are the three I definitely want to take. And they actually have us for 90 days then, um, and they get to focus on building those skills that they learned in sixth and seventh grade. And actually we do like almost like a, I, don't, I call it a passion project in my class where we're writing a curriculum where they'll actually say, hey, Mr. Love, we learned the 3D printers. We learned how to use the wood shop. We learned how to use graphics. Um, I'm going to give you three weeks now in eighth grade. And we, do, we learned some more other skills, um, refined some other skills. But now I'm going to give you three weeks on my own. And you're actually going to create and present a project of using all those skills in our either we build a makerspace or you can use any of our labs right. to do that. Awesome. That is really cool, though. I'm, I'm anxious to see how this works with um, your seventh grade class. See, like eighth grade, I feel like because that, that – that process of what you call it deselection, I think eighth grade is they're old enough, they're mature enough to make those decisions, you know? <laughs> Seventh grade is right on that cusp, though, of like, can they make the decision? Can they not make the decision? And your idea with seventh grade with, with going in between the classes, it's going to be one of those, like, you're going to have some students who who are definitely ready for that and mature enough, and, and they're going to have it. And then I feel like you might have some that you might have to coax along a little bit. Do you find that in your, either in your eighth grade now, because I know you didn't do the seventh grade part yet, but in that eighth grade where the students can kind of deselect classes, have you ever found it where you're maybe telling them, well, I see what you said, but we're going to choose for you because, you know, you're not really ready to make that decision for yourself yet. Uh, I'm going to refer to the counselor for that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, because they, they do all the scheduling, and I am so glad I am not in their shoes because they have a tough – I mean, they have to make those tough decisions where – and, you know, I, I would assume where they – I mean, our counseling department, they would probably sit down with the child and say, hey, we saw you wrote this on your paper. Like, walk me through. Like, you know, they always like to say, let me understand why. Like, why did you choose this? And where's – you know, right. what, what, give us your background thinking and then kind of help, you know, guide them in that where they want to go. Right. So what do you think about the seventh grade? Um, you know, have you and your colleagues, you know, kind of tried to talk about that yet? Like, all right, what, how are we going to handle the student that falls behind in the project? How are we going to handle the student that um, isn't, isn't using their time wisely? Isn't, you know, hey, they, they need to go up to the computer room, but they're sitting down here because their friends are down here. Yeah, so we did a, um, a co- we did a co-pilot. Um, FCS teacher, myself, and the computer teacher did a co-pilot last year to try to see how this would all work. Um, and we did a toy, you know, like the um, ABC, the toy maker, that where the kids make yeah. it. So we kind of took that idea and said, okay, child development is taught in eighth grade FCS. Biz- business computers, they do a business plan and a uh, marketing plan. And then in tech ed aspect, they actually have to use the shop and... Um, the areas to actually build it, the tools like in the makerspace, if you need to use wood, if you need to use this, you need to glue. So we created this little co-pilot for about two weeks and we did run into that issue where you said there were some kids who we, we let them pick their groups, which we figured, let's see how this goes. Um, and we did have a one or two, I'll say one or two groups out of, I'd say out of 12 or 13 groups, one or two. Um, and there were groups of either three or four okay. where, and each of them had a role, like there's a packet and all that. Like we, like we had to write yeah. the curriculum for it and that. So there was like a packet and everything. So there was a group, two groups where they did fall behind and they didn't, you're right. They sat up in the computer lab and were like, oh, we'll just work on this. And they talked a lot, a little bit about that. And then Fortnite came up a little bit and then we talked a little yeah. more. Um, <laughs> so what we had to do was having there be three teachers, um, 
what we did was one of the teachers, she kind of pulled them aside. She had a better rapport with them. And she's, you know, she's kind of sat them down and be like, listen, look at all the other groups. Like they're either with Mr. Love down in the shop, like getting their stuff worked out. You didn't sign up to go down to the wood shop today to work on your project. Like only so many students can go down there. You've been fooling around. Mm -hmm. Like what, what's happening here? Like, where's your timeline? What, what's going on here? So we kind of tried to sit down with them, get them on track that way. And then we almost, um, put deadlines on that group specifically saying, okay, by tomorrow, I want to see this done in your packet. Okay, by tomorrow, I need you to start going into Mr. Love's class. You're signing up first thing, and you're going to be in there for the 90, you know, two periods, double periods, back-to-back, -back, 90 minutes, and you're going to be working on that. So, yeah, we almost had to tighten the reins a little bit. And yeah. you're right, you have that other extreme. You have the other kids go in, and they were just like, you know, we're signing off on their packets. Like, you know, we're ready to move on. Okay, keep going. Um they were great. Like they took that initiative, but you do have, yeah. there's some that just need that extra support. Right. Absolutely. And, but, but the fact that you now have three teachers that are all kind of knowledgeable about the project, knowledgeable about the steps of the project, you can have some time to do that kind of one-on-one -on -one meeting with them and sit them down and say, Hey, look at all the other groups. They're all working just fine. And, and you're not, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I, there's no other ways, easy way to say that, but that's 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 very cool. I'm I'm very interested to see how that goes for you, uh, you know, moving forward now. Because I'm just, you know, you're going to be able to do that a lot more this coming school year based on your schedule. Yeah, and that was the biggest part with our district was we had a schedule that was so we said constraints, like it constrained so much where mm -hmm. we couldn't do that. You know, we're looking at a schedule that was done over ten years ago, and it was a traditional schedule of. Yep, kids go here and there, and I couldn't like you know I couldn't really do a lot of um, cross curricular work with other areas because they didn't have the same students that I had, and we couldn't do a back to back class period. So I think it's more of a um, uh, purposeful planning and scheduling. I like that word, purposeful planning. Yeah. So where they That's where they good. tried to make it where you know you could have that double class period. So. We'll see how it goes. It may be a big flop, and you'll see us in the newspaper, well, um, and I'll be uh, putting my resume out there, Andy, so we'll never know. That's right. <laughs> no. well, we would be happy to have you over here if that if that ends up going poorly for you. <laughs> um, so you did mention, though, to me earlier, um, before we started this, that you're, that you're also starting something new as well, on top of the whole schedule, on top of the whole... Now you're going to be teaching sixth and seventh grade as well as eighth grade. Still, um, you're trying out some maybe just some different flexible seating arrangements. Is that true? Yes. So this all started with uh, Brooke Markle, a teacher in our um, school district, who she wrote she wrote an article in Edutopia, etc. If anyone looks it up, and she's been like a pioneer, I guess, in our district, and I would say, kind of getting around the area Cumberland Valley or Cumberland County area for flexible seating. Yeah. So she was the first one in our district to do it last year okay we're trying it this year in our one tech ed classroom so i'll give you the pre-classroom what it looked like traditional classroom graphics arts um, classroom where you had uh, mac computers desktops now all yep. around the outside so you have your room all around the outside 30 computers there and yep. then you had work tables in the middle of the classroom where the kids could you know for a lecture or work on assignments right there and then you just had the teacher desk in there and chalkboard so what we did was took all the work tables out except for three and we moved those into the makerspace that we created and all the computers that were along, along the outside of the edges of the wall, we took all the desktops out and we're getting a um, computer cart. Okay. And we, the part where we had those desks, or sorry, those um, work tables in the middle, we put two carpets down and we got... Um, oh, the ball seats, like the ones that you can sit on, the big um, exercise balls. They got, um, oh, the cushion, oh, what do I want to say, the beanbag chairs. Okay. So beanbag chairs. Yep. And then we also got the ones where it's kind of like a circle and has like the bungee cord stuff when you sit in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got two yep. of those to see how it works out. Um, and then we left space for... Um, we need to order eight extra chairs. But what we did was, and this was my department head, Kara Hersey, thought of this, which I thought was a good idea. And this was all her undertaking. She won the flexible seating. I was just on board, excited for it. <laughs> right. You were just the... Uh, I'm just... Being 
drug yeah, along. I'll along for the ride. No. <laughs> but um, her thing was, she said, you know, we like to have student choice and student input on this. So we ordered those three different types of chairs I just went over. And she said, let's try to keep like seven or eight that we didn't order yet. And we still have that. Remember I said we kept um, three workbenches or work tables in the back. Right. So we'll have still traditional seating because maybe your student doesn't want to sit on. I don't want to sit on that. Like I, I just want a regular seat. Okay, you can sit in that traditional sure. seating, not a problem. But if they don't want to, we're going to have a all the classes kind of vote on, okay, what other chair do you want to order? Do you want to order more of this one, one, two, or three? Or if you find something else on the internet that you want to work with, here's our budget. Like, what do you guys want? We got to order eight more chairs. What do you prefer? And wow. we'll see what they say. <laughs> I love that. I love it. So let me ask you a question real quick, though, before we get into like the actual, I'll say, um, philosophy of flexible seating. Where's this budget coming from? Where or did you did you get a grant? Is your district, you know, like uh, on board with this? Where's that money coming from? Because I think I think that's going to be a real big struggle for a lot of teachers. I think a lot of teachers would love to kind of introduce this concept into their classrooms, um, but there you know this uh, as well as I do there's a lot of issues with finances in education right now and and cushy seats is like low on the priority <laughs> list for a lot of districts yeah so what we did was um, our department head actually uh, put into our budget to actually do this which is kind of nice okay. where um, like that pioneer teacher did it first she got really creative and she got like you know uh, old tires and spray painted them. She got buckets from like Lowe's that had paint on them and different stuff and then flipped them over and then put like, you know, some uh, fabric on them and put like a little cushion on top of it. Okay. Um, and yep. then she basically got, we had different high chairs. We had, she got stuff donated from, oh, not AC Moore's, but some other areas around the community who donated stuff when she first started it. So... Thank goodness for her taking the first steps and getting the donations so that we could actually budget for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because right. I think right. with her doing uh, and writing articles about it, it actually gave us the, uh, I guess you could say, she, you know, the resources. The clout? Yeah, right. what did you say, Andy? The, the clout. Yeah. I mean, you had, you had like the, the you know, uh, the clout to go ahead and go, yeah, look, look, this works, you know, this, this happens. And uh, this is what we do here at this district, and you went forward with it. Yeah, so I agree. She got us the clout so that we could actually put it in the budget um, and get that. So we did get through our budget, and yeah, we'll see how it. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm excited for it, and I can talk. You know, I think you're gonna ask like, what? What's your next? I think you're gonna ask me like more about like, how do I think it's gonna go, or what? <laughs> I do. I want to know. I want to know how you think it's gonna go. So uh, just a kind of also background and, and a little bit piggyback on it. So I am also trying a similar thing this this school year. In fact, today I'm getting um, uh, some desks delivered to my classroom, seven of them that are pneumatic up down, like you know they can be uh, a sit stand desk, I think oh, they're called yeah. or whatever. Um, and they have wheels on the bottom, so we can actually like move them around and roll them everywhere. Um, so I'm excited about that. Uh, although it's not necessarily flexible seating, it's more of like flexible desks, <laughs> uh, flexible workspace. Um, but I'm trying out that concept of, you know, giving the students more choice and whatnot. So I, I'm I'm a little bit in your boat as far as trying something new with seating and 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 um, workspace and things like that. I'm I'm a little nervous though. And again, now I teach sixth grade, so so I'm at a you know younger age group. Um, I'm just a little nervous that, that the concept of flexible seating will distract from the overall purpose or goal of the lesson, the objective, the standard, uh, and, and really let's, you know, we'll go as far as say the whole child, yeah. you know, distract from the purpose of why I'm there and why they're there. I'm just a little nervous. Yeah, I think, um... And I'm going to refer back, I keep saying Brooke Markle, because she, I mean, her article she wrote in like Ask It Her, and she presented to our, you know, talked to our staff about it, because a lot of people were interested, like, how's it going? Um, and, you know, she had to sell this to the parents on, oh, yeah. uh, you know, back to school night, which we had the second week of school, to kind of say to parents like, oh, welcome to homeroom, um, take a seat on the tire over there. 
Oh, it looks like you're falling asleep. You must be tired. Yep, you're on the tire. Oh, you over here. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, that'd be my humor with it. But um, <laughs> um, I think her thing that when I, you know, when I kind of like heard her present about it and a lot of people said, like, how did they take to it? Did some kids get upset about it? Did they not like it? Her thing was, you know, I think that goes with that planning ahead of time where she kind of told the kids from day one, hey, listen, when you come in, you know, take your seat for homeroom. Each one has their homeroom seat. And then maybe every like three weeks to a month, we'll switch up our seats a little bit. So if you want to sit on that seat, no problem. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing that she does for her regular classes, that was just for homeroom. For regular classes, what she does is she'll say, when you come in, take your assigned seat till she, you know, she gets to know the students' names. And then after that, once she does her lesson, she says, okay, you guys can get up and move around. Like if you want to switch seats, like if your partners, you know, kind of like if, if this group didn't get to sit at the... Um, She's a group table with the little buckets around. And she says, if you guys didn't get to work at the group table, all right, we're going to rotate. You guys were there two days ago. Let's give another group a chance. You're like, we all have to be flexible in our flexible seating, I guess, is a good term. Right, sure. <laughs> and so so maybe my nerves are, are uh, ill-placed because it's it sounds like it's – it sounds like if you set the expectation clear right up front, of what this is all about, then you're going to be fine. Yeah, and I think that's one of her biggest things that she had in her article too. Is those, yeah, like you said, there's expectations up front of this is what this is for. These aren't for you know like playing with or playing a music on or anything. Like this is for us to have a comfortable seating area for us to learn together, and more. I think more importantly, like that collaborative feeling where um, she teaches um, e- uh, language arts, so where she has them you know work on a story, and she got clipboards too, where it's like okay. And she has laptops too. So she already has the laptops and the clipboards mm-hmm. where, okay, here's your packet for the day. Or she uses Google Classroom a lot. Get your laptop, sit down somewhere, like, let's work on this. Do your do now. We'll go over it. I'll do a mini lesson. And then we're going to break out. And then you guys can sit around wherever you want, get comfortable. And as long as you're working. Right. So let me ask you a question. You know, you're going to flexible seating this coming school year. Are you going to have to change your? structure of your lesson so um you know obviously we you, you have typical lesson of intro something the do now the activation whatever you've got your mini lesson you've got the work time you're checking in then you have some sort of evaluation at the end right that's your classic lesson plan structure with this are you do you feel like you're gonna have to change that up quite a bit um it's funny that you say that because i'm actually going in later today with um, another coworker, and we're actually working on our lessons and layout. <laughs> yeah, for- right. Well, okay. So, so let me let me preemptive that meeting for you <laughs> and say, what do you think? <laughs> um, I think it's going to be a lot of. You're right. It is going to be okay. We know when they come in. There's, you know, we're still going to take attendance when they come in. You know, do the do now on the board. Um, there is going to be. We do have clipboards that we ordered where maybe it's going to be more of okay. Grab a clipboard. Do your do now. And then mm-hmm. turn and talk to a partner or share, you know, we'll share out. Or it's going to be grab a laptop and we have to do more, um, you know, that digital um, learning in Google Classroom where it's going to be okay. They don't have the traditional desk anymore. Um, so maybe grab a laptop, do everything on that digital aspect. And then we maybe project it on the screen. Um, if that's through some application, I think planning wise too. The aspect of when they come in right away, I'm going to have to plan it where, okay, am I going to start with a group conversation first and we all sit around on exercise balls, you know, the nice chairs and everything, or am I going to start it off with, okay, let's go to our seats around the outside, grab grab your laptop when you come in, and we're going to do a lesson right away, and then I can let you guys break out. And at the very end, we'll either do a exit, you know, exit ticket or we'll have a group conversation, everyone come in. And use as flexible seating. Right. So I almost think you could probably do both. You know, depending on what it is that the lesson is that day, maybe maybe there's going to be some days where you're like, all right, guys, you know, you got to come in and sit around the outside because we need to do a a little mini lesson here. You need to be focused on me for a second. And then maybe there's days where you're like, all right, guys, we're just you know continuing our work from yesterday, so go right to it. You know, don't yeah. don't even uh, don't even bother sitting around the outside. Just go to go to your station and make it happen. No, I agree. I think that's. Um, I, th- I honestly think like I look at it too, and I didn't. I, I gotta say I didn't think about it too much in the aspect of I just look at it where, I kind of been. I kind of been thinking about it as it's just like a regular chair almost, and that may right. come. 
that may come to bite me in the behind later after the first week. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. I almost feel like we should have a follow-up conversation like a week into school and be like, <laughs> and you're, where you're saying, I've popped all the exercise balls and I've gotten regular season. <laughs> we only, yep, we got rid of all the exercise balls. Yeah, it right. was just the cushion chairs. <laughs> or, yep, we're just sitting on the carpet now yeah, um, right. with, our, with our feet crossed, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, crisscross applesauce. And yeah. Just, <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm probably gonna, I'm still gonna think of it as a regular like chair, and hopefully, they get creative in ways. And I'm gonna learn from them too, where they're like, "Oh, Mr. Love, we can just do it this way. Of we'll grab a laptop or we'll do it this." Way. I'm like, "Okay, like, we'll see how it works." So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I'm I'm excited to see how that goes for you. I'm excited to see how it goes for me. Um, and I do feel like we should have like a little follow up. Um, and 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 just um. You know, a week, two weeks into school, just be like, "All right, how's that? How's that working for you? Yeah, <laughs> how's that? How's that going?" <laughs> no, I agree. Um, that's that's awesome. I um, yeah, I I think I think the concept is there. I think the the idea of having flexible seating for students to choose to be more comfortable, to create that learning environment where they are, you know, they they feel safe, they feel comfortable to to just learn and make mistakes and take risks, and I think. I think the flexible seating certainly helps in that. Um, have you heard of this concept though of like um, uh, I, I'm gonna I don't know if this is the right phrase. I'm gonna say flexible like schools where it's kind of like they have rooms where there's like couches and you know like you know lazy boy chairs and stuff and it's just kind of like you walk into the classroom, you get your assignment for the day and then you just go into the school somewhere wherever you want and just do your work. I've never heard of this. I mean, I've yeah, heard of it's like, like it's like it's like flexible seating on steroids, though. It's like you know <laughs> what I mean. It's like a like as long as you stay within the the borders of the building, like as long as you stay within the walls, it's fair game. It's like free roaming, do whatever you want. I think it's again concept wise, it's there. At execution, it's logistics would be outrageous. You know, the, the, I don't know how you do anything like that, but um, but you know, it's all this. It's this push to one to one. Um, you know, this, the, the one device per student, um, it's that push to mass customized learning. It's that push to, um, you know, getting, reaching every student of where they are, getting all your lessons basically online and, and having the students work at their own pace through lessons. Um, I tried that last year actually with a a course I created, um, a digital citizenship course that I made for students. Um, everything was online and the students could work at their own pace through everything. So you had some students that worked very quickly and some that needed my support. And, and, and for, for as a teacher, it was awesome because I got to focus one-on-one with students that really needed my help, whereas just simple quick check-ins with the other students were fine um, and that's all they needed. And so the concept of this flexible seating and this flexible, you know, allowing the students a lot of this choice. I love it. I'm just, I feel like this, I feel like our school buildings and our, the logistics behind it are just too overwhelming to try to make it happen. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, so when you said, um, you did like that digital citizenship, um, less or unit, I'll call it. Um, would you say that after doing that, um, did you use Google Classroom or? Uh, what yeah, I use Google. Yeah, I use Google Classroom. Yep. Would what? How would you compare that? I guess to would you say it worked better digitally online, or would you say like, ooh, I, I the traditional packet? Like, you know I mean, like some like I still do packets, but some stuff I like to do online. Right. Like, which one would you think was the online for sure? Okay. Online for sure. It was definitely very easy um, for the students to do online. And they could work anywhere and, you know, they didn't have to, oh, I forgot my packet at school or I left it in my locker. It's like, no, it's, it's online. It's all right there. Um, and so that was really awesome. Um, the other thing, too, is like I created a lot of, um, you know, instructional videos and, and stuff um, to, to, to teach the content, you know. And um, it was nice because they were able to go back and rewatch those videos as needed, you know. So if they didn't quite understand something, they could – I'd just say, hey, go watch that video again or, hey, go back to this lesson and watch that one. It's going to help you with this or whatever. Um, the one thing I will say though, which was really interesting to me and I did not expect it. Again, this is sixth grade. Um, about halfway into the course, 
I stopped everybody the one day when they walked in and I said, hey, um, can you give me some feedback? How do you think this is going? Where do you know? Do you like this? Do you not like this? Do you? And overwhelmingly, the students said, we miss talking to you. Now, like I was talking to them individually, you know, I was checking in with them every single day I was, but they missed like the group concept of a classroom where, you know, you have to raise your hand to talk. You have to listen to everybody else. You're bouncing ideas off of each other. I apparently, I, I learned, I wasn't creating enough collaborative environment space where they could talk to each other and talk to me and have an open forum. So I was like, whoa, I was like this huge light bulb moment for me of like, wow, I went, I went so far into this, do everything online and have a completely online class that I forgot the whole concept of collaboration and, and talking to them, you know? So we stopped doing that right away and we did every single day. We started with a circle where we circled up and we, um, had a, had a conversation, you know, I asked a question and everybody got to respond and then we went and did our work and they were like, that's all we needed. Like we just needed to talk to people once a day. And I was like, all right. It was really interesting though. That is a very interesting perspective because, you know, I mean, like you don't really hear about that because you, you know, like the pushes, at least, you know, I think it is like you said, like, okay, like create that, um, digital citizenship and like get them online, like, Oh, put it in Google classroom. Like, and you're right. It's, it's great for the learning aspect where, they can rewatch that video, go back sure. and review something. But wow, I never would have thought about. You're right. That part of oh, I didn't get to talk to anyone, or right. know, we, we didn't really really get to hang out unless you're on Google Hangouts. But I you're mean, right. like, you know, <laughs> right? Where's where's that? You're right. Like when they go to school, if in that confined wall area, you want to have like that that interpersonal. Um, trying to think those those social skills. Sure. And if everyone's doing like online, and you don't have that group conversation. That, that almost goes to the wayside. Like, I didn't even think about that. That's interesting. Yeah, and it, it was the kids that pointed out. And I was like, that's that's brilliant. You know, we, we absolutely, you don't get to talk to anybody. I didn't, I designed this course so that you don't talk to anyone. Like, and, <laughs> you know, that's a problem. And I didn't think about that at the time. But, you know, it's like you said, you make mistakes and you you move on. And and so now we know, you know, now now every time I do something like that, I always start with like a circle or or some some way where we can communicate and talk. Or we ended the class that way sometimes, um, or started and ended it with a circle, whatever. You know, it just depend, depends, but I bet, yeah. I bet you it was killing that one kid inside. You know, you always have one or two that really love to talk all the time. Woo, I right. bet you that was probably like a painful uh, unit for them uh, there, Mr. Right. Stein. <laughs> I, will say, I will say, though, that the, the classroom was silent. As far as classroom management goes... It was a breeze. <laughs> I had zero behavior issues because no one spoke. <laughs> it was Everyone wore headphones and yeah. they were just on their, their uh, we use Chromebooks and they, uh, they were just on their Chromebooks and they were just going for it. And, and I was like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> it, was great. it was a lot of work up front, but I was just going to say kudos to you for the, cause that takes a lot of work up front. I don't think a lot of, um, I mean, teachers understand, but I don't think some people understand from outside perspective, outside education, like how much time they're like, oh, they're just on the laptops. But it's like you said there, like when you said you did the videos, you had to put the unit together, you had to build it all. Like that takes like you're building a whole like website. You know what I mean? Like adding a whole another uh, page on a web page to make that. And that takes a lot of time. So yeah, it was, it was a lot. But but again, end product was worth it. Yeah. So that's that's where it's at. Correct. Um, well, Zach, I, I want to first again thank you so much. I, I really appreciate your time. I don't want to. I know you you got a lot going on today. You've got a meetings and 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 summer is not um, summer for teachers. I think a lot of people think that teachers just have off on the summers, and we do. And yes, we do go on vacations, but um, but we keep working. We yes. don't uh, we don't stop working in the summertime. Um, we do things like this. Uh, <laughs> so before you go, though, I would love to wrap up with. Um, if you have any advice for future teachers or new teachers, um, you know, what, what would you say is your one piece of advice that you could have and and give to a teacher? Um, that's, that's beyond something that they would like hear in college. You know what I mean? We all hear like the, just keep at it. (laughs) I think that's, I mean, yeah, you should just keep at it, but everybody knows that. Um, I would kind of tell them. And, they, and it, maybe this is – you don't hear this in college. I don't think you do. And correct me if I'm wrong. I could I could restart this over again if you need me to. Right. Um, <laughs> I would tell them – We'll edit it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say find 
you're, I mean, you usually get a mentor, like when you usually start, you know, in your building yeah. or whatever. So you're gonna have your mentor, but I would say beyond that mentor, find one or two colleagues that you connect with who are positive reinforcement, who are not the Debbie mm-hmm. Downers, um, and not that we have those in our district, but we have some people who. Oh. <laughs> okay, let's be honest. We do have some Debbie Downers. Um, Every district. <laughs> Every district has has what the, I love that you call them Debbie Downers because that's that's almost an exact portrayal of what they are. Yeah. So I would say stay. You know, uh, try to avoid getting in that negative lane yeah. and get in that. I like to call. It, I'll say the passing lane where you're with those proactive, like you and I. I would say are good at that. Like proactive, excited about teaching, and we talked about this. Like we're very energetic. Like. Those who are willing to take that risk, try new things, the flexible seating, um, doing like a Google um, Classroom like you did, and just, you know, collaboration. Find those teachers, connect with them, pick their brains, and they're going to be your support system, along with your mentor. But if you have a tough day at work and you're like, hey, can we just go out after school and like, you know, grab a bite to eat or something, catch up over something, like that's who you need because those are the ones who keep you in the profession and we all know teachers, the first five years is the most vulnerable time to get burnout, leave the profession. It's like almost 50% leave our profession. So find those teachers, connect with them, get to know them, and I think you'll be set. Awesome. That, that's, that's very good advice. I think that's a, a really good thing. I know um, when I started in my district, they had just recently cut the um, – mentor program so I didn't actually have an official mentor when I started they have my district has since brought that back um, but I didn't actually have an official one so I had to do that I had to go out and I was like I need someone out there to help me and I grabbed on to a couple people that I I connected with right away and uh, and they still are um, are there for me and and we still bounce ideas off of each other so I think that's that is sage advice, sir. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, Mr. Love, I cannot thank you enough. Um, I've really enjoyed our conversation today, and uh, and I really appreciate you you taking the time out of your day. Oh, thank you for having me. I enjoyed this. I love talking educational philosophy, especially with a, uh old buddy who we crossed paths in college. <laughs> yes, definitely. So, thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Andy.